What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Welcome, everyone, to the Forward Thinking Podcast, where we talk about all stuff that is the future. The future. That's right. And uh, today we're going the to talk. The future. Yeah, I'm clearly not alone uh... in, the, in this. Uh, so today we wanted to talk about the future of digital currency. Now, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. I'm Joe McCormick. And we have a case of the sillies. Uh, now, today we want to talk about digital currency. We've already had one podcast that was about what cash is, what currency is, what it represents. And, uh, you know, we're all pretty familiar with physical cash, maybe not as familiar as we would like to be. Maybe we would not, like... not personally, but hypothetically. I mean, <laughs> right. ideologically, we I've, get it. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> I want more of it. Uh, but we wanted to talk about some digital currency. Really, it's uh, the the first one I was going to talk about. The main one I'm going to talk about is Bitcoin, which is really an alternative currency. It's not a currency that is backed by any particular government, which is kind of an interesting idea. Um, so we should probably start with the idea of what makes a currency a currency. All right. So, uh, yeah, what does make what, what does make a currency a currency? If it doesn't have to be backed by a government, what makes a currency a currency? 
Well, I've got a theory on that. All right, hit it's me. Pro- probably not original at all, but it seems that a currency is just something that everybody wants. Okay. Right? It's it's a standardized unit of wealth, and what makes a currency valuable is that you can get pretty much everybody to agree that they want it. Right. Um, so, and, and this comes in where... Uh, we have the idea that like currency is magic, right? That mm-hmm. that uh that a US dollar, a little green rectangle of paper that says one dollar, you know, and has the creepy triangle pyramid eye on it, like that magically equals one dollar. Well, why? Why does that thing equal one dollar when this piece of paper that I just wrote some notes on doesn't? Or why this other piece of paper that has a slightly different design on it is worth 100 of those dollars. Right. Exactly. <laughs> They're made of the same stuff. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing about this little physical object that magically equals that $100. That intrinsically has that amount of value. Right. right. It, it's simply that we, we've all agreed. We've assigned to it. We've assigned that to it, sure. Yeah, we and have. we've agreed to it. Not just assigned it, but that everyone has bought into it. Yeah, it, right. it, it is a, like I said in the last episode, it is a belief system yeah. more so it, than anything else. Well, it's sort of an illusion also because it's the thing, all you have to do to make this $100 bill not worth $100 is convince enough people that it's not worth $100. Right. 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 And then the, the, before any of you go out there and thinks, think, this is going to make me rich, if I convince everybody that the money in their wallets is worthless, then I can take all their money. But <laughs> You're here's You're going to have thing. a hard job of it, right? Well, first of all, you'll have a hard job of it. But two, if you actually did convince enough people for that to make you fabulously wealthy, you wouldn't actually be fabulously wealthy because the money itself would, in fact, be worthless. Right. Because, again, it's only worth anything because people want it. So if people don't want it, then it's not worth anything. Right. The, the point is that the, the value of a piece of money is not magically assigned by right. fiat. The government can't really say what something is worth. The right. people as a whole determine what something is worth. I have to worth. agree that, yeah. Right. And, and, the, and that a certain amount of food or a gallon of gas or uh, uh, work that I do for somebody right. is worth that amount. Right. So so with Bitcoin, again, because you, know, you don't have to have a government to back it. If people say this Bitcoin has value... And they, and enough people believe in that and enough, and enough of a structure there supports it, then it does have value. Well, Jonathan, what is a Bitcoin? You're right. using this word. So Bitcoin is a, a unit of digital currency. Uh, it was first proposed by a guy named Y Day, who, uh, proposed it in 1998. It's an idea, uh, the idea is it's a cryptocurrency, meaning that it, it crypto is. Crypto yeah. secret, like cryptozoology. Well, like, like, like not so much secret, like cryptography. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you're talking about Secret encryption. Encrypted. Yeah. 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 It, something on, about the currency has to be based on encryption. I'll get into that in a second. But uh, it's essentially to uh, a digital currency that's used that can be used in transactions, just as any other currency could be. So you would use this digital currency to buy stuff. That stuff could be digital or it could be physical. You, so you could use the this digital currency to buy a real car, assuming that there was a car dealer out there willing to deal in this digital currency. If they accepted it, then you could buy a car with it or anything else. Um, now, the actual currency itself, even though it was proposed in 1998, didn't start to show up until 2009. And that's when someone who was using a pseudonym, uh, the pseudonym was Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, began to, he published a paper in a, in a, well not published a paper, wrote in a, a forum actually about cryptography, about a, a proof of concept 
for this digital currency. And that was the birth of Bitcoin. Interesting thing. Uh, only a few people, I assume, know who this person is because this person's never been publicly identified. Yeah, are, yeah. Are you one of them? No, I, I do not know the actual identity. Uh, I uh, I am not privy to such information. Um, and if I did, I wouldn't tell you. So maybe I do. But I don't. Uh, so here, think about it. If you have a digital currency, can you think of any questions off the top of your head, like things that if, if the currency is digital, what are some of the questions that arise in your mind? Well, first of all, what is it? I mean, a U.S. dollar is a little square or not square, a little rectangle of paper I put in my wallet. What, what is this unit of currency? It's a block of data. Okay. Yeah. Well, where does that come from? Okay. So uh, the fir- it, it's mined, which sounds kind of interesting. The way it works is that you have to create transactions. And then through those transactions, you create these blocks of data, which when you analyze the blocks of data, will create more bitcoins. That's a gross oversimplification of what's going on here. But it all comes down to that idea of cryptography. Within that block of data, there is what is called a hash. Hash is essentially when you take uh, uh, some numbers and then you apply math to it. And when I say apply math, the reason why that's vague is because it depends upon the hash about you know what mathematical process is going on, mm-hmm. right? But let's say I tell you that uh, I've got a you know I've created a hash and I've got a number and that number is fifteen. And I tell you, Joe, that I arrived at the number 15 by adding two other numbers together. But I don't tell you which two numbers they are. And for you to be able to get a Bitcoin, you have to tell me which two numbers I added together to get 15. Now, uh, I haven't given you any other information, so you just have to start handing me uh, guesses as to how I got to that number 15, right? And, and it, would, it would be pretty reasonable for you to use a computer to do this rather than just uh, shouting out numbers. <laughs> right. But let, in this in, let's, let's say in this instance, I tell both of you, Joe and Lauren, that I've got a number 15. So you have to tell me which two numbers I added together to get that number. And uh, the first one who guesses correctly gets 50 new Bitcoins, okay, which... W- what's your guess? What is seven and eight? Yeah, Fifteen and zero. No, that wasn't that either. Oh. Sorry, but so so what would happen is you would keep on guessing until you were to get the ones, and it was sixteen and negative one. By the way, um, if you were to <laughs> it, once you once you were to guess it, I would hand you some bitcoins, not from me. It would actually generate through this process. It's kind of like the idea of mining a mountain for gold. It'd be as if you had found a gold vein while just digging randomly in the mountain. Mm. Same sort of idea. You are actually digging randomly using math. Uh, Right. Now, in the case of Bitcoins, the numbers and hashes are way more complicated than what two numbers that I used to create 15. And so you have to use a computer to go through all the various uh, uh, guesses that could potentially reach whatever the hash is Mm -hmm. in order to find uh, the, the result. Now, it takes quite a bit of computing power, actually, usually more, in fact, than than just one laptop. There's a lot of computers that are usually working on one of these at the same time. Right. Correct? Now, well, in the early days, the very early days of Bitcoin, this, this is how brilliant the system is. You know, And I say brilliant, this is beyond whether or not Bitcoin, you consider Bitcoin a valuable Useful, currency. Sure. Uh-huh. All right. Just the system itself is brilliant. So in the early, early days of Bitcoin, those hashes were not so complex, meaning that if you had a decent computer with a decent CPU, you could start having it run these various uh, guesses and 
expect to maybe solve a a, a problem within uh, like you know ten twenty minutes maybe, and and you you would get bitcoins. So uh, you're just like Mario jumping repeatedly into the block that gives a coin every. No, you're like Mario jumping at all these different blocks, and one of those blocks gives coins. Right. The other blocks don't. That's the that's a better analogy. Um, and so, what would happen is that as more people started joining in, and when I say ten or twenty minutes, that's really again, that's really exaggerating. But when, as more people joined in, that would mean that more bitcoins were being mined because you have more computers working on these problems, and mm-hmm. so things start to unravel faster. Well, then the system itself has a uh, 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 a way of fixing that because you don't want to flood the market with Bitcoins and then you devalue the currency. Right. That's what would happen if if the Fed just said, well, let's print infinite money. Right? Or it would it'd be what would happen if you dug under, you know, you, you reached a mountain, you removed one shovel of dirt and realized that everything under one layer of dirt is gold. <laughs> If the mountain is solid gold, you would suddenly devalue gold because there'd be a ton, literally, there'd be tons of it flooding uh-huh. the market. Diamond as big as the Ritz. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there you go. You just devalued gold. Same sort of thing with uh, with bitcoins. You cannot, you know, you have to control that release of bitcoins into circulation. Right. So, the so way, it's intentionally making it difficult right. to create an artificial scarcity yes, that you, will keep the value intact. It's actually a... You're, you're creating a real scarcity, but you're well, yes. doing it through artificial means. Yes. A synthetic you, or a, uh, a forced scarcity. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So there, there's a, there's already a designated number of bitcoins that will ever be in existence. And beyond that, you, there are no more. That's 20, around 21 million bitcoins. Now the bitcoin itself can be divided into smaller amounts down to eight decimal places. So as we get closer and closer to that limit, it actually decreases the number of bitcoins you will get per successful mining. So, like when the it started, the first uh, uh, successful attempts at mining got you about fifty bitcoins. Oh wow! Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and what's a bitcoin run these days? It all depends. Uh, in March, it has fluctuated from forty three dollars per bitcoin to seventy eight dollars per bitcoin. Yeah. Whoa! As as of this very moment, it is seventy eight point four U S dollars. Yeah. So, uh, but or it, as of half an hour ago, things could have changed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, actually, we know that it does, right? The the Bitcoin value fluctuates wildly, which crazy is amount of fluctuation. What makes some people kind of hesitant to invest in it right now? Well, a lot mm-hmm. of people say it's not even a currency. Right. That it's really more speculation. Like it's like speculating in a stock. Sure. That a lot of people are making their money just from buying, buying and, and selling, selling Bitcoin or, or mining yeah. and selling Bitcoins. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So getting back to the mining and making it more difficult as more machines join on, uh, it was built directly into the, the design of Bitcoins so that as more computing power is applied to the problem of figuring out these hashes, these transactions, each time a transaction is made, that's what's allowing people to mine these other bitcoins. Um, in order to make that, uh, when by making it more difficult, it means that you have to apply more processing power to successfully mine another bitcoin. Right. It's the idea of you're you're in a, a giant mountain. Let's go back to the mountain idea. You're in a giant mountain. There's a an, a, a finite amount of gold in this mountain, and it's scattered randomly throughout the mountain. Uh, and as you get more and more of the the gold at, from the easier places to mine, the stuff that's left is harder to get to. It's at the you know by nature, just the natural design, it's harder for you to get to those places. Mm-hmm. But here's the other thing: is that if people start backing off 
of mining. Like if, if people were to stop dedicating so many computer resources to mining bitcoins, then because there would be less computer power dedicated to trying to get at the bitcoins, it would actually get easier to mine them again. So that the supply of bitcoins into the the circulation would remain fairly steady. Right. Uh, it's the way the way that I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that is that they're using the actual computation of the processing of transactions as a monetary unit. Yeah. Essentially, the the as as there are transactions that are going on, that's providing the essentially the math problem mm-hmm. that you have to solve in order to get more coins. So as more transactions happen, there are more opportunities as well. Uh, and what happened was early on, people started figuring out, hey, the CPU on my computer solves problems essentially going one at a time, right? It tries... Option one, option one didn't work out. Let's move on to option two. That didn't work out. Let's move on to option three. But they discovered that if they were to use graphics processing units, which can do uh, calculations in parallel, then you could do options one through 50 all at the same time, and then 51 through 100 all at the same time. You rapidly sped up the process of trying to solve these problems. So people started using GPUs. They started to mine bitcoins. It was really successful. And then the difficulty ratcheted up to meet the fact that people were using other systems. Then you start networking computers together. And now you've got a group of computers all working to mine bitcoins, which means that, again, you've got more processing power, so it ratchets up the difficulty. Uh, it's a, essentially got to the point pretty early on that unless you were designing a computer specifically to mine bitcoins with that sort of processing in mind, you might as well not even try because your computer is just not going to have the oomph needed. Mm-hmm. Like you could still, in theory, solve the problem that everyone else is trying to solve and you could do it first. But Randomly, the, yeah. But it's not. the likelihood was way low. Mm-hmm. So might as well play the lotto. Yeah. Yeah. Same sort of odds, really, is what it boils down to. So, OK, so now we've established that we've created this economy based on a uh, or not an economy, no, but just a currency exactly that exists in the regular economy. We, it's we, not a new you've economy. created a commodity, not right. even a currency. Oh, right, right. Because it's it, not a currency until someone accepts it as payment for something else. Well, right. people do that. Now, yes. So it is a currency. But what we had talked about right now was just as a commodity. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, so uh, let's assume now that we're moving on to a currency. People want to use this to pay for stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I have a friend who's a, a near-do-well um, okay, and he's always looking for schemes to get money without working. He thinks up an idea. He's like, "I'm going to buy some bitcoins." Okay, and I know when I have a dollar in my pocket and I go to the store and I pay for a bag of Doritos, I have to give the dollar to the person working the cash register, and I can't get it back. Uh huh. What if I want to pay for something with a Bitcoin, but I figure out a way to make copies of my Bitcoin so that I can use it more than once? Okay, here's where the cryptography also comes in. So if you want your Doritos, as you say, uh, I, humans call it Doritos, but that's cool, Doritos. Uh, if I wanted my bag of... I'm just giving you a hard time now. No, uh, it's a good question. So what I, they, I grew up in East Tennessee. What, that, that's fair. That's a <laughs> They're fair, Doritos. Fair Doritos. Uh, well, they use what's called a blockchain. And the blockchain is part of that, that hash I was talking about, that transaction. The history of every transaction 
for a Bitcoin is tracked and incorporated as part of that hash, meaning that when you use that that Bitcoin in a transaction, let's say the first transaction, which is when you get the Bitcoins, um, then you spend the Bitcoins on something. There's a vendor out there that accepts Bitcoins. You have purchased something from that vendor. The vendor now takes possession of those Bitcoins. That information gets incorporated into the hash, that block of text, and it's part of the the history of that Bitcoin now. You no longer have possession of that. If you were to try and duplicate that in some way, you would have to do it in such a way that would actually invalidate the Bitcoins you've already spent. But there's a record of that. It exists, and it's across all these nodes. One of the things we didn't talk about is Bitcoin's a peer-to-peer currency. So the information for all those Bitcoins is spread throughout the entire network. Which means that once you spend it, that information is out there. Everybody knows. Yeah, they, I mean, I mean, they don't know that it's like a Metallica yeah. album. <laughs> they don't know that you bought something with the bitcoins. They know that that particular bitcoin was used in the transaction and where it is now. Mm-hmm. So for you to be able to to hack the system, you would have to not only figure out the hash of whatever particular uh, um, uh, transaction you were aiming for, you would alter all the transactions that happened after that point. So if that Bitcoin had been in 18 other transactions, that means that you would have to figure out a way of hacking that earlier point where you've discovered that there's a vulnerability, and then no one would have to notice the fact that 17 or 18 other transactions were invalidated as a result. So that's where the protection is. It actually, the system itself rejects uh, anything that looks like it's an attempt to double spend. So that, that was the, you know, cause I mean, that had to be built in there. Otherwise, mm-hmm. whenever you're talking about digital, you're like, well, what stops me from just making a copy and then a copy of a copy so that I become an instant millionaire once I get my first Bitcoin? That's what stops you. Right. Yeah. Supposedly there's only been one major security incident. I think that happened in, uh, yeah, there was, there was, there actually, Okay. The, yes, there was a hacking incident there where, uh, and it, it ended up getting fixed. Mm-hmm. But, uh, whereas there was that one major incident, there was also the problem of institutions that are acting more or less kind of like banks and exchanges that hold bitcoins. Which is kind of the, the opposite of the purpose of the bitcoin, isn't it? I mean, kind of, yeah. It's, it's supposed to be, I mean, it's well, kind of counterculture in that it doesn't require you to have a third party. You're, you're processing everything. Yeah, the, I think the exchange, well, we'll get into some reasons why exchanges exist in a minute, but it's, this would be places that would end up, uh, exchanging bitcoins for other currencies, that kind of stuff. Um, and there have been a few that had been hacked. In fact, a few that that have gone under since uh, the the hacking attacks, because uh, all all uh, uh, confidence on the consumer level sapped away. Sure. Yeah. So that's really one of the issues. Another issue with bitcoins is that uh, it's come under fire from some critics because. Uh, one of the things that people are using, some people are using bitcoins for is to make what would otherwise be illegal purchases mm. that are not traceable. So they end up buying bitcoins and then use those bitcoins on something like the Silk Road, which is one of those, uh, it's, it's essentially a black market and black market for drugs is what's mainly known as. Mm-hmm. Star Wars collector's items and <laughs> mostly drugs. So, so, or, you know, I sit there and say like, well, you know, I can't buy heroin with, 
uh, with cash because uh, it's going to yeah. yeah. That, well, no, because I'll get caught. But, no, right. we're we're taking morality and ethics and everything out. <laughs> this is someone. This is someone who who wants heroin, and they say, well, I've got Bitcoin, so I'm going to spend it on on Silk Road. It's completely untraceable. That's one of the criticisms, right? And so, uh, you know, the idea that you could have an entire black market supported by it that's untraceable that could end up supporting illegal activity. That's one of the reasons why the Bitcoin currency has has received some criticism. Mm -hmm. Another big criticism is the fact of its volatility, the fact that the value changes so dramatically and so quickly. Um, That's that's an issue. And some people say that it really is more like like a speculative investment as opposed to a currency that not many people are actually using it to purchase stuff they're using it to buy into it as if it were to a get stock more hypothetical wealth yeah so that's not in that case it's not you know really working as a currency so that that's a valid i think that's a valid criticism as well so <clears throat> here's the thing that we might have to wonder about with uh, Bitcoin or any alternative currency, right? Because Bitcoin's not the only one. No, but it's it's the one that's known as being open source and peer to peer. Right. Uh, there are a couple it's probably that, the most popular. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, is it possible yeah. for an alternative currency to overtake the mainstream currency if enough people uh, believe in it? If enough, yeah. If enough people have confidence in the alternative currency and not enough confidence in the quote unquote official currency, then sure. Right. There's no reason like if if the entire United States or at least, you know, a sizable population, 90% of the population of the United States decided spontaneously that uh the dollars no longer really had any value but bitcoins did, then that's what would happen. And you would have an enormous economic crisis on your hands. Um but the, it it's it's possible. It's not plausible, but it is possible. And, and there, there are some, uh, some government run digital money things going on. Uh, Canada has the mint, mint chip. Yeah, the, yeah. Can, our Canadia friends. Uh-huh. Mint chip, which yeah. sounds like, it's like a, it it's sounds like, like ice cream to ice me. Cream I'm always flavor, like, right? yes, this is a delicious treat. Wait, no, it's money. Girl um, Scout cookies. But, <laughs> mint chips. But, uh. Oh, yeah, yeah. But no, but, but, and, and this is the Canadian National Bank has released this or is planning on releasing this, this digital money thing. And it's kind of, it's kind of a little dongle that you can just sort of poke it at other people's little digital currency and they transfer. Yeah. Mathematically. So, so the old, uh, cred stick approach, which is what, right. was, what was that? Shadowrun where everyone had cred sticks. But, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I remember there's some science fiction thing where all of your money was kept on in digital form in some sort of physical device that you carried around. And whenever you wanted to make a purchase, it would just transfer automatically. Essentially the same thing as the near field communication chips do mm-hmm. in smartphones. Mm-hmm. Same sort of uh, same sort uh, but, of thing. But tied directly into the Federal Reserve there rather than through a, a third party bank. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's there's no reason why a digital currency could not work uh I mean, you can argue that there are some problems with keeping security in a digital format, but the same thing is true with physical currency. I mean, you, you've got uh, security issues there too. It's, it's, you know, it's the question is: is the risk so high as to make it impractical, uh, and or are the are the risks low and are the benefits high? If they are, then obviously that would make uh, moving to a digital currency a higher priority. Um, whether or not we ever get to a point where dollars are mainly digital, I don't know. I mean, the other question of that is, do we get to a point where 
everyone has access to whatever means it is to make these transactions because cash is also something that that certain segments of the population they can get access to cash but they may not have access to the, the to the equipment they would need to make these sort of transactions or to mine bitcoins or whatever mm-hmm. sure yeah you know also i mean you know yes you can break a dollar um, you, you can destroy a dollar, but if, but it's, I don't know, I feel like it's a lot easier to drop a electronic thing in a glass of water and kill it than and it would be a dollar. Hopefully you, you'd have your bitcoins in the cloud, right? Yeah, it, since it's a peer-to-peer network, you would uh, hopefully have, the the idea is that the entire... <laughs> the, the digital equivalent of putting your money under your mattress. Well, the, well, the, the idea is... on your device. The idea is that the entire network would know that those bitcoins were with you, right? So. Yeah. So there, that even if you were to have your computer explode Inspector Gadget style, you would still have all that wealth. It's just that you would have to find another way to be able to make the transaction. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there, there are pros and cons, certainly. And, uh, and to me, it's just very interesting that there was a, an attempt to create, uh, a mining operation, <laughs> like that, that is sort of analogous to physical mining. It's a little different because we do know that there is a finite limit and we know what that finite limit actually is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like it's not like, oh, no, we found another Bitcoin mine. Yeah, you, we know that it's uh, chock full of Bitcoins and yeah. it's for everyone. Uh, Inflation yeah. for everyone. According to what I read <laughs> that uh, they the 21 million coins will all be mined by sometime in 2140. And the reason for that is that, again, as as more Bitcoins are mined, they release fewer Per year, right? Right. They they mm-hmm. actually release the, so that an, a successful mining attempt ends up getting fewer uh, bitcoins than it did before. Usually half of what it was before. So fifty to twenty five to twelve and a half to and you, and because you can divide a bitcoin up to eight decimal places. When we start getting to twenty one forty, when you're mining bitcoins, you're going to get incredibly tiny percentages of an actual bitcoin every successful mining attempt. That also means that you're that the stuff you've mined. Uh, like if, if one Bitcoin is equal to 200 US dollars, then your tiny percentage of a Bitcoin is not going to be worth that much. But there are also transaction fees that happen and you end up collecting on transaction fees if you successfully mine Bitcoins. So there may come a time where the physical value of the Bitcoin you have mined is lower than the amount of money you get in transaction fees. So that's kind of interesting too. It's complicated. I, I'm curious to see how well it works over the long run. We've seen some pretty high highs and low lows of Bitcoin. Because even though you know seventy eight dollars sounds like a lot, that's not the peak price. Oh of wow! A, of uh-huh. a, no, no. I think I think I saw it go over two hundred dollars at one point. So I'd be interested what events precipitate spikes in the Bitcoin market. Well, there you know anytime there's a a, a crisis where some exchange has been hacked, it severely devalues the bitcoin mm-hmm. which means that Obviously. which means that by stealing the currency you have actually made it worthless or at least <laughs> worth worth worth, less. worth space less yeah. than it was kind of an incentive not to steal I right because if you steal it and suddenly it's not worth very much then what have you accomplished Right. I mean, then you're like, well, especially if it took you a lot of effort to steal the money, you may have spent more time and money trying to steal the stuff than what it ended up being worth by the time you were done. Maybe if you're just a pure sadist and you want to ruin it for everybody. Else. Right. If you're a troll, 
If yeah. you're a currency troll, yeah. So, uh, so all of you non-trolls out there, if you have any suggestions you would like us to talk about in future episodes, or uh, or if you just want to comment on what we've said already, I highly recommend you visit our website. That's fwthinking.com. There you're going to find links to the video series, the podcast, the blogs. You'll find vid- uh, links to our social network stuff, so you can get in touch with us. Uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Google+. And we'd really like to hear from you and, and find out what you think about these futuristic topics and the sort of stuff you would like us to talk about. So join us there and let us know, and we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.